Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to How great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Amen. Amen, amen. All over this world, people spent last night giving everything they had for a good time. And many of them come to church this morning and put a cap on Jesus. I'm so glad we're in a church that unpops the cap. Amen. Whew, I don't know how I'm supposed to preach after anything like that, but I'll give it a shot. John chapter 14. We're going through the book of John on Sunday morning. These things that you might believe. We're down to John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. What a blessed privilege it is to be here and preach this morning. John 14, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Pray with me. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can lay our burdens down. And Lord, uh, as we've come into this place this morning, some of us troubled and weary and disgusted and frustrated. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you that we can lay all of that at the cross, at this altar. Walk out of this place changed. Some came into this place this morning in darkness. And yet they're going to leave full of light. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'll have your way. You'll take my words, make them your words. That everything that's said, everything that's heard, everything that's done would honor and glorify the one who is above all else. The precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you for praying for me this week. God has been so good and blessed, and I just praise the Lord. I know it's because of your prayers and all, and I really, really do sincerely appreciate it. During the years of the Great Depression in the 20s, a man by the name of W. Oliver Cooper 
had a little girl that he loved with all of his heart. Just two years after she was born, his wife died, leaving him to raise this little girl all by himself on his own. This little girl was the apple of his eye, so precious. One day God saw fit to take this little girl away from him. For years following this, Cooper was so angry, he was so bitter in his heart toward God. One day, seemingly at the end of his rope, he'd had all he could handle. You ever been there? He had all he could handle at the end of his rope. He threw himself on his bed and in his heart, not wanting to live, he cried out, God, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. And suddenly, something came over him and reminded him that one day, all of the struggles of this life will be worth it all. And he sat down at his desk in his bedroom through tear-stained eyes, and he wrote these words. Often I'm hindered on my way, burdened so heavy I almost fall. But then Jesus hears sweetly he says to me, heaven will surely be worth it all. Heaven will surely be worth it all. Worth all the sorrows that here before after this life with all its strife heaven will surely be worth it all toiling and pain I will Till I shall hear the blessed yours call. Oh, but Jesus has promised, and I am sure <laughs> heaven oh, will surely mm. be worth it all. Heaven will surely. this life with all its strife, heaven will surely be worth it all. Amen. I want to tell you something this morning, folks. We travel through life 
we're constantly faced with distress and difficulty and doubt and with despair all around us, even sitting in this place this morning. There's troubled hearts, there's anxious hearts, there's fearful hearts, there's wounded hearts, there's heavy hearts, there's scarred hearts, there's clueless hearts. All of those things represent the troubled hearts that are before us. These men, these disciples, had been with our Lord for over three years. He had trained them, he had changed them, he had taught them, he had led them, he had loved them, he lived before them. They saw him make the deaf able to hear. They saw him make the lame able to walk. They saw him make the blind able to see. They saw him take a little boy's lunch and uh, multiplied and feed 5,000 men with that little lunch. And yet in the middle of all of that, seeing it with all of their eyes, experiencing it, watching it, they had troubled hearts. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. When he spoke, the word came like no man has ever spoken. In his presence, they were amazed. He was on the ship in the middle of the storm and they wake him up and he goes up on deck and he speaks to the wind and the waves, peace be still, and suddenly there was a calm. And you remember what they said? Never a man, what kind of man is this that even the waves and the winds listen to his voice? And yet in the middle of all that, they've got troubled hearts. He was leaving them. We looked last week in chapter 13. He sat with them. He opened that chapter and ate with them and supped with them and spent time with them. And he says, I'm going to soon be departed, but listen, let not your hearts be troubled. If our hearts are full of despair and trouble, how in the world are we going to operate in a world that's full of sin today? If our hearts are full of despair and trouble, how are we going to handle the burdens that seem to get bigger and bigger day by day? How in the world are we going to travel down the roads that are so treacherous? We don't know what's over the next hill. We don't know what's around the next corner. How can our hearts not be troubled? He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. The fool is said in his heart. The Bible said there is no God. Now, I don't believe that the fool has believed in his heart. I think there are probably very few people that don't believe there's a God. Now, there may be some tell you that, but I'm just telling you, you walk outside and look at the beautiful changing leaves. You look at the stars at night. You look at the clouds in the sky. You look at the fish in the sea. You look at the human body and, the, and the, uh, all of the uh, eccentric parts of it there, and then you're going to tell me that there's not a God? The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word is logos, literally means completed thought or expressed word. And in John 1, 14, he said, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'll tell you who Jesus is. He's the word, and he's God in the flesh. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's not enough to say there's a God that put the stars in space or the clouds in the air or the water in the ocean. That'll get you a little ways in life. I want to tell you this morning, if you want to have a life then you're not going to be troubled, you've got to believe that God left heaven and came down to this earth. 
You want a life full of, 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 of not full of trouble and being able to believe God? You've got to believe he was tempted and tested and yet was still sinless. He's going to be crucified, dies on a cross, put in a bar of tomb, rose again the third day, and look, he's coming back again. He's God. He, listen, he's not some good man. He's not some good prophet. He's not a contemporary of Muhammad. He's God. And Jesus said, if you want to let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. We're saved by the grace of God. Boy, the song service just, ooh, it fit this sermon so good. You can hear good music and tap your toes and have a good time. But I want to tell you, you can hear the gospel and get saved and change your life. That's what it's about. And I want to tell you, let me just go ahead and say a little bit more. When you get it, you don't get partial life. You get eternal life. It, it don't end. It's forever. And it's for, I'm so glad this morning the devil can't have me back. I'm so glad this morning sin can't have me back. The flesh can't have me back. I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless. But I will tell you one thing. I'm born again. And one of these days I'm leaving here. And when I do, I'm going to shut this old world behind. I'm not dead yet, though. Some of y'all might have been praying for that this week. But I'm not dead yet. I still got to face this crazy world that we live in. I've still got grandkids to raise because my kids don't know how to raise them. Some of y'all saying amen. I, I hear that. I've got a wife to love. I got a church to pastor. I got folks that need Jesus that are waiting on me to tell them about Jesus. There are people all around us. They're not embracing what we're teaching each week. They can't. They don't understand. They're living in darkness. They don't understand the light. They don't, they've never experienced what it's like to lay their head on a pillow at night and go to bed in complete peace because they're living in darkness. When I say to people, listen, you need to vote for people that are against abortion. Don't ever vote for anybody that wants abortion. Don't ever vote for anybody. They'll say, oh, preacher, you know, that's, why do you want to make that the litmus test? Well, we're going to get a free education, and we're going to get a free cell phone, and we're going to get a free house to live in. you a bigger idiot than I thought if you think all that's going to happen to you. I just want to tell you right now, uh, this country is up against it. Evil is versing good. You're going to vote socialism in, Marxism, communism. But when you've had enough of it, young people, you're going to have to shoot your way out of it. Us old people will already be gone on to glory, and you're going to have to shoot your way out of it here this morning. I don't have time to go no further, but if you'll call me this week, I will. I'll sit down. I'll bring the coffee, and I'll bring the donuts. I'll sit down with you half a day and tell you our in-house theologian, Brother Clark Sexton, is he in here this morning? And oh, he, he sent me this perfect picture of America. Perfect. He said, first, we overlook evil. We just say, well, you know, let them alone. Let them do what they do. And then we permit evil. And then we legalize evil. And then we promote evil. And then we celebrate evil. And then we persecute anybody who still calls it evil. Hello, America. Hello, America. And, and, and in the middle of all of this going on, 
We got folks who think the most important thing is some cow passing gas out in a pasture. <laughs> Hello, America. I'm telling you what we need in America is Jesus. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You don't need some religion. You don't need a Baptist church. What you need is Jesus. You got to believe he was more than just a good man. He was more than a storyteller. He was more than a miracle worker. He was more than someone who wowed the crowd. He was God manifested in the flesh. Not only would he not sin, he could not sin. That's a reason we celebrate Easter. It's not because they put sails on the suits at Dillard's. It's not because of the bunny rabbits and the Easter eggs and all of the candy. It's because there is no man able to come out of that grave except the Lord Jesus Christ. He's alive today. No other man could do what he does and what he's done. And I want to tell you the good news this morning. That God who came to life is willing to help you share your load this morning. He's willing to help you share how to lead your family this morning. He's willing to help you share how to raise your kids this morning. He's willing to share, young people, how you can stay pure until you're married this morning. That's the kind of God we've got. Now let's get, that was an introduction. I won't charge you for that. Let's, <laughs> let's get into the sermon now, all right? This will go quickly. It, it won't hardly hurt. There's three things here I want you to look at. Just boom, 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 right down out of the Scripture. Number one, there's a promise, and it assures us. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, specifically, Jesus is referring to Peter in chapter 13, verses 36, 37, 38. What that means is this. We have the uh, Word of God, uh, but the, the original manuscripts, they don't have chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. They just say, in other words, if we didn't have the Bible written like we have it today, I would gather together everybody and I'd say, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to preach this morning on let not your heart be troubled. You'll find that in your text. And you'd be looking around trying to find let not your heart be troubled. So man comes along and he says, this is chapter 14, this is chapter 13. But just because man put it there, that don't mean it stopped there. Peter is telling Jesus, Lord, you're not going to die. Well, I'll lay down my life for you, Jesus. And, and God, Jesus says, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. Before the rooster crows, now you're going to deny me three times. But let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, we use this for funerals, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's good. It's good for anything. It's, it's like Geritol. It's good for anything that ails you. It, it's, it's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But the matter of fear, he's referring to all, I've never seen in my life people living in fear like they're living today. I've never seen it. There's fires blazing, mm, volcanoes, hurricanes, and then those poor folk down in South Louisiana get another dose of it six weeks after they got the first dose of it there. And then you got your earthquakes, and then you got your COVID-19, and this, uh, this week they gave me my flu shot and they said it's going to be the worst flu season it's ever been. I thought, well, just dig a hole and bury me. Bless God. Good grief. In the midst of all of this fear, I think I remember Jesus saying in John 16, 33, 
in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. <laughs> he, he said there's a matter of fear. Let not your heart be troubled. Then he said it's a matter of faith. Not only let not your heart be troubled, but he said you believe in God, believe also in me. Believe by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an imperative. It's a command. You're not suggested to believe in Jesus. You're commanded to believe in Jesus. That's what he's saying. Through Christ, we're brought into a covenant with God, but without him, our remembrance of God would have been our trouble. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there's one mediator between God and man, the Christ Jesus. That's it. There's not two. There's not three. Philip asked him to see the Father. He was doubting it. Jesus said to him, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so now he's asking them to exercise in faith. And then he says it's a matter of fact. Not only <laughs> is it a matter of fear, let not your heart be troubled. A matter of faith, believe also in me. But he said it's a matter of fact. He said, look, if it were not so, look at verse 2. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus is saying, look, you guys know me. I've never lied to you before. I'm telling you, if this wasn't so, I would have told you. It's a matter of facts. It's just the way it is. It's by faith. He builds up the assurance, stating the facts. Boy, a, a man is no really better than his word. You can count on the word of Jesus. I was reminiscing a little bit as I was studying for this right up the road here, 20 miles or so in Marshall, when I was 19 years old at the intersection of Highway 80 and Highway 59, there was a Dodge dealership. And uh, I bought a brand new Dodge Polaro. Now I'm in college and I got a Volkswagen. And I'm saying, you know what, I need to step up. I bought a Dodge Polaro. It was a road hog, buddy. I mean, it was a road hog. I, that hood was bigger than most cars today. And the man sat there across the desk and he said son all this is fine but who's gonna who's gonna pay for this and I handed him a little slip of paper with a phone number and I said you call Mr. Riley down in Corrigan he'll take care of everything and Mr. Riley called me and he, he, the first thing he said does your daddy know you're buying a car it's the first thing he said I said yes sir he does all right he said I'll, I'll take care of everything I said, but I can't sign the paper. I'm, I'm, he said, when you come home, it may be Thanksgiving or whenever, when you come home, you call me, I'll meet you up at the bank on a Saturday night or whatever, and we'll sign the papers and we'll go on. You can't do that today. You can't do that today. But I'll tell you, you can do it with Jesus. You can do it with him. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you the truth. Then, could we spend just a moment talking about that place that awaits us? In two verses, he paints us a wonderful picture about heaven. It's a spacious place. Revelation 21 says, John is speaking, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, first heaven and earth passed away. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God. I don't have time to read all that, but you read that when you get home. It's 1,500 miles wide. It's 1,500 miles long. It's 1,500 miles high. It's like a perfect square, a cube. 
I even was thinking about that this morning when I was freshening up and going over this. Uh, sometimes we might be called a square to live for Jesus. Mm, that's all right. We're going to a place that's square. Mm, I wish I had time this morning to tell some of you young people you need to pull your britches up. I, I, I could go on here a few minutes, but I won't. I'll linger. I'll, I'll go right on. But I want to tell you, it's a spacious place. There's plenty of room for everybody. John saw it. Not only is it a spacious place, it's a special place. Let me tell you just a little bit about heaven. There's no sin there. All us are worried about sin. You're not worried about sin up there. There's no sin there. There's no dying there. There's no cares up there. There's no sickness. There's no cancer. There's no heart attack. There's no Alzheimer's. There's not even a need for an electrician because Jesus is the light. I mean, it's a, it's a special place. It is a spacious place. The next time you get a troubled heart, start thinking about heaven, what it's going to be like, a happy place, a heavenly place. There is a heaven. Boy, the first Thessalonians, one of these days, the Lord himself is going to uh, descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then those of us who remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And he said, comfort one another with these words. When you're in trouble and you're tore up and you're frustrated, comfort one another with the words. Heaven's going to be worth it all. Heaven's going to be worth it all. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, and it will be, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The one crucified for us has made construction for us. He's not only a great teacher, he's not only a great preacher, he's a great carpenter. He's building many mansions, many mansions. Now, and, and I tell you, when you look at that word many, he's not talking about a variety. He's talking about the number of them. I remember years ago, Becky and I went, we were delivering something outside of Austin, between Austin and Georgetown, or actually between Georgetown and, and Burnett, in, in a place called Sun City. I don't know if you've ever been to Sun City or not. There's probably, I don't know, a thousand houses there, and every one of them are identical. I told the old boy we delivered the thing to. Him. I said, "You better never come home over here drunk. You never will find your house. Every one of them look alike. They all look alike. <laughs> That's the way heaven. Listen. Oh, mm, I wish I had time to. I got to move. Let me talk just a minute about the person that's going to admit us. Jesus said, "I am." I am the way. And literally when you look at that in the Greek, he's saying, I am the only way. He's the divine way. You're going to hear more and more people say, oh, no, you can do it this way and you can do it. Listen, don't you fall for that. Jesus said, I am the way. And then he goes on to say, not only am I the way, he said, I'm the truth. I'm the only truth. It, 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 it all, we don't Listen, we don't need to spend all of our time worrying about all the false aspects and the false cults. What we need to spend our time on 
is studying about the true nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And then he said, I'm the life. I'm the life. Mm. Now, I'm the only life. Now, I, I, I want to just pause in here. and I, I don't want to upset you and make you mad, but I'm going to tell you a truth here. You can like it or you can not like it. But Jesus says here, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I know. I know. My daddy's been dead since 1987. He never had more than a, I think, third or fourth grade education, but he was a very wise man. Didn't say a whole lot, but when he said it, you listened. There have been many times when I thought, boy, I wish I could sit down and talk with you again. If I could just, now sometimes, you know, my, my daddy wasn't perfect. He was one of these old men that thought everything he had was worth a gold mine, and if you had it, it wasn't worth a dime. Amen. So I'm not talking to some of y'all this morning. Yep. Everything everybody else, they wouldn't be selling it if it was any good. But anything he had, I'm not telling you he was perfect. But I'd love to sit down and talk with him. But I want to tell you something. This scripture does not talk about a reunion with our daddies and our mamas. It doesn't talk about a reunion with our husbands and our wives or our children or our grandchildren. Now listen to me. I'm not against it. I'm all for that. There's going to be a reunion. It's going to happen. But the most important thing about heaven is this. Jesus is there. He's there. See, that's the most important thing about heaven, period. Jesus is not where heaven is. Heaven is where Jesus is. And I just want to tell you, I'm talking to myself and everybody else, I just want to tell you, when our whole thought pattern bypasses Jesus to see our loved one, something wrong in our spiritual life. I want to see Jesus. I believe my daddy would have died for me. I really do. I think he would have. I think he would have. But it wouldn't have done me no good because he wasn't perfect and he wasn't sinless. He could have died, but it wouldn't have done me any good. But, oh, listen to me. Thanks be unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We had the great I Am that left heaven and came to this earth, died on a cross, so that I wouldn't have to. Buried in a borrowed tomb, dead, rose again the third day, and then ascended into heaven. And, and they're all standing there gazing. And you know what the angel said? Why are y'all looking there? This same Jesus that you see going here, he's going to come again. He's going to come again. That's what I'm looking for. Now let me just close with one other thing that I think is important because Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life, and I preached a dozen sermons or more than that on that. But maybe, maybe this morning, let's not emphasize the way, the truth, and the life. Let's not emphasize it. Let's emphasize the I am. Let's emphasize Jesus. 
Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. <laughs> uh, Henry Van Dyke wrote these words. He said, heaven often seems distant and unknown. But if he who made the road there is our guide, we need not fear to lose the way. We do not want to see far ahead, only far enough to discern him and trace his footsteps. They who follow Christ, even through darkness, will surely reach the Father. So the doctor came in Friday morning and began to, he sat down and, and began to share with me that I had four major blockages, blah, 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 and all this stuff. I don't understand all of it. All I understand is, he said, your blood couldn't get where it needed to go. It was blocked. He hadn't walked out the door. And I thought, dear God, this goes all the way back to where Adam and Eve took that bite out of that fruit. And there was a blockage. There was a blockage between mankind and a holy God. It was blocked. We couldn't get where we needed to go. But thanks be unto Jesus. Mm. I wish I was in a Pentecostal church. I'd tell you this place would be tore up by now. <laughs> thanks be unto Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. He came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. Could I introduce you this morning to the Lord Jesus Christ? If you've never met him personally, he, he's not a religion. He's not a Baptist. He's God in the flesh. And he stands with open arms ready to receive you where you are. Maybe this morning you've never been saved and you need to come to Jesus. Maybe this morning you've been saved. Maybe you're looking for a church home. No better place in the country than this place right here. It's not perfect. I'm looking, I, I'm scared to look at you because I know you know me. And every time I point at you, there's three more fingers pointing back at me. But ain't we have fun going down the road to heaven? Heaven will surely be worth it all. Father, thank you this morning for speaking in this place. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We realize without you we could do nothing. Lord, we realize this morning that you're everything. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, there are people that's sitting right here in this congregation today that are troubled, their hearts are broken, they're weary. And Lord, would you just touch them? Would you draw them close to you? God, would you help them come to this altar and lay their burdens down, leave that baggage right here, get up and walk out of here a new man or a woman, ready to praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lord, have your way during this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.